We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are rangers all around, and As I walk through the doors, I felt His presence. Amen. Let's feel His presence this morning. And I knew this was the place where love abounds. Amen. You're the ones that bring it. For in our hearts is the temple of Jehovah God Almighty. And we are standing in His presence on holy ground. Amen. Sing it to us. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. There is joy beyond all measure. Amen. And this sweet peace of mind can still be found. Let's bring our needs this morning. For if you have a need, I know he has the answer. Just reach out. Just reach out and claim it. Ride your standing on holy ground. 
you believe you're standing in his presence? Do you believe that you brought him this morning? Amen. And all around the room as we just stand shoulder to shoulder this morning in anticipation of the service that's to come. We bring him with us and he's surrounding us. And I hope that you can feel that you're in his presence this morning. I know I can feel it where I'm standing. Let's just sing that one more time without the music together. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Now musicians come in. Let us praise, let us praise Jesus now. Let's praise Him this morning. For we are standing in His presence on have your seats for a moment. I'd like to greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so good to see each and every of you this morning. Looking forward to this morning's service. Um, Brother Rapp is a dear friend and um, always really enjoy what he has to say. He's such, um, he's so good at digging deep into the word and, and um, allowing God to speak to him at what's in there, and then bringing that out in a way that we can receive it. And I really appreciate him for that, and I'm so excited about today's service. Um, let's do a, a song in the key of C. It's As the Deer, uh, number 2450 in the songbook. As the deer, I the water stole my soul, longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. My brother, even though you are a king, and I want you 
more than any other, so much more than anything. You alone are my strength, my shield. You alone does my More than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of mine. Sing it to her. come and pray over these prayer requests that we're going to go over this morning. I'd like to keep in mind Ashley and Sister Sarah Buchanan, Brother Mitch flying home from a trip, uh, pray for his safety and any good travels. Uh, my wife, uh, Jennifer's grandmother, passed away this weekend, and uh, it's a bittersweet moment for them. Arwen and Lorian, as you know, have cared for her. Um, 24/7 for the past three years, trading off, and um, and Arwen was with her, and it was a very peaceful passing, and she was just a, a great saint of the Lord. So keep our family in prayer. Uh, keep the Whitlocks in prayer this morning as well, as well as Troy and Connie Hughes, uh, Karen and David Morglio have, are, are suffering from COVID this weekend pray you'll keep them in mind as well and uh, Laura Harwell she's been in our prayers for some time now with her back uh, pray that God will give her a special touch praying as well for the drums this morning and uh, some development with the Pascal's brother Pascal is going to Duke University for a vascular cons- consultation and um, so it's good to see things uh, moving we pray that God will be on the hands of all of the physicians involved there and for Brother Richard Smith this morning, we're going to hold you up in prayer as well, brother. So, um, so Brother Aaron, if you would, if you would uh, come up and just everybody, just pull on that, pull on that spirit as we take these needs to the Lord in prayer this morning. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? We come before Your throne this morning, humbly, Lord, knowing that Father. We don't deserve anything, oh God. We are just 
morals made of clay. But Father, you loved us and you called us, not because we had done anything good, but because of your election and your sovereignty. And Father, today we are bride. We are called you the sons of God, Father, because of your grace. Lord Jesus Christ, if it's not for your grace, then Lord, we, we, don't even, we can't even have the next breath. Everything that we have, our families, the sunshine that we enjoy, it's all by your grace. We are, we are thankful, Father, for your grace, Lord, that surpasses all understanding. Lord, we look at your, our lives and we wonder, what did you see in us? Even David says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? No, the son of man that you can regard him. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your grace that overlooks, oh God, all our trespasses, all our iniquities, and you just love us, Father, by your power. Lord, we bring these needs before you, Lord, that, Father, by the same token and the same grace, Lord, you may stretch forth your hand of healing and touch, Lord, your, your children, your daughters, your sons who are sick this morning. There are some who are grieving, some that are mourning. Father, you are still the same God. May the power of the Holy Spirit be, Lord God, with all these needs. We pray, Father, for the coming of the word. Lord God, we see, Father, the same inspiration that showed us the horse riders. And, Father, we see that he's still riding in this last day. And, Father, we see death, we see hell following him, oh God. But we know that, Father, you said when the enemy comes like a flood, you raise a standard. Lord, in the season of colds and flu, you are still in the season of healing. In the season, Father, where marriages are being broken, Father, you are still, Lord God, keeping your children together. In a season where young men are failing, Father, you are raising up a mighty army because you are a mighty God. We thank you this morning. Be with us, oh God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Brother Aaron. Let's stand and sing number 265 in moments like these. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hands and I sing out a love song to you. Let's sing to him. Singing, I love you. remain standing as the deacons come forward to take the morning's offering. Singing I love you Lord. Singing 
Pastor, you may take your seats. Um, do you have a special this morning? This is my wife's birthday, and uh, she's requested that her girls sing a song this morning. So while they are uh, coming up, let's sing a little bit of number 2102 in the songbook, Hosanna. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Hosanna, blessed be the rock. And glory, glory to his name. He lives and reigns forevermore. Yes, glory, glory to his name. He lives and reigns forevermore. My salvation, Hosanna. Well, blessed be the rock. Well, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Jehovah Jireh is his name, for he provideth all my needs. Jehovah Jireh is his name. For he provideth all my need. Hosanna, well, blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, well, blessed be the rock. And blessed be the rock of my salvation. One more time. Hosanna.
suffered from Whate'er I do Where'er I be Still tis God's hand That leadeth me Lord, I would clasp My hand in thine And never murmur Nor repine Content whatever Lord, I see Since tis my God That leadeth me He leadeth me, he leadeth me By his own hand he leadeth me His faithful follower I would be For by his hand he leadeth me As we change the order of the service this morning, let's just stand together and let's sing hymn number 109, I'm a child of the King in the key of F. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King, His royal blood. Now flows through my veins And I, who was wretched and blind Now can see, praise God, praise God I'm a child of the King Oh, yes I'm a child of the King, and His royal blood 
child of singing again now. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows And I, who was wretched and poor, now can see. Praise God, praise God. I'm a child of the King. And all the children of the King said, shake hands with somebody nearby, say, God bless you, pilgrim. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And you may be seated this morning. Good to have all of you here today. We are honored to have the Morales uh, family here. God bless you. Good to have you with us uh, visiting today. Um, I just wanted to make one request here as we uh, begin here. Uh, Sister Jennifer, if, if the, they play like that on your birthday, can we have more birthdays in the run of a year? <laughs> Like, we won't count the ticker, but we can celebrate your birthday like once a month, or... That was really wonderful. I sure enjoyed that. Uh, it was a blessing. All of our specials are a blessing. Uh, we would, uh, last night, I mentioned that uh, we had Brother Tom and Sister Kim celebrate uh, 56 years of uh, marriage, unhindered bliss, uh, over 56 years, and uh, they are very special uh, to us, and... Uh, we trust that God will bless them through this coming year. But we also want to acknowledge uh, that Lucas and Haley celebrated their first today. They're celebrating their first anniversary today. Uh, they are celebrating today. With us. And, uh, I mean, Sister Haley's in the top five of my daughters-in-law. I mean, she's just uh, a blessing. And... Uh, this year will probably bring many changes, and we wish them all the best and pray that God will lead them and guide them in all their choices and decisions. Uh, also as well, February 10th is Brother Dan Florian's birthday coming up. Brother Danny, how old are you going to be in your birthday? 38. 38. Wow, wonderful. God bless you. Uh, Brother Johnny Reynolds is not here today. Uh, he tells me, uh, he says when service is on, I do laps in my basement. And he's walking around doing circles in his basement and getting his strength back. And we're honored to have Sister Doris here with us today. And uh, if you don't mind continuing to remember our Brother Johnny and Sister Laura. Uh, Sister Laura's doing real well. And uh, Karen Buchanan, I went to see her on Wednesday. And uh, she's just uh, doing, doing better all the time, and we're thankful for that. Uh, so uh, we want you to remember her in prayer for sure. Um, also, too, Brother Tom gave me a, a request for Brother Bill Lingar, who's a minister in Indiana. And uh, his wife, Barbara, uh, was just put in hospice. She has cancer and was just put in hospice care. And uh, we want to remember that family and that church. Uh, when a church uh, suffers a loss like that, it's, uh, it's a real thing. And uh, we sure want to remember them in prayer. Well, I don't want to hold it up because I'm excited about today's services, and uh, Brother Chris is going to take this evening service. Uh, Brother Rapp's going to take uh, this morning service here, and I was just blessed last night. I was—I I heard Brother Rapp talk about that subject in the retreat, and I was—I was, I was uh, 
I mean, I was really blessed to, to the way that he brought it. But last night, I heard it, uh, not all of it, but a lot of it again. I was, just, I was just burdened by that. I was just moved by that because the devil knows exactly how to play this game. And if you think you can outwit him on your own, with your own intellect and your own smartphone, you've got another thing coming to you because he, he has planned well to bring this nation and this world to where it is today. And you're going to need more than just your smarts to get through this. You're going to need the direct intervention of the Holy Spirit to get you from this dimension into the kingdom where you belong. And uh, it's going to take that. And it's going to take, I think, ministry like this that the brothers will bring today uh, that helps parents and families and young people become aware. And you, you to think about the decisions you're making. When will I give my children a phone? When are they going to... Uh, you know, have certain liberties and, and all of the decisions that parents have to make today. Uh, they need to have real, true wisdom. And you young people need to have real wisdom that only comes from God in order to navigate through uh, the decisions that are made and the choices that are uh, ahead of you. You're going to need the Holy Ghost, and there's nothing less, nothing short of that. That's what you're going to need. And in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And so you need all of that. And so to me, my burden is for families and for uh, young people and married couples and who are trying to raise families today. And uh, I love to lean towards ministries that help uh, strengthen that as well as everything else that we need. Uh, you know, God is faithful to supply that. And so I'm excited that you're here, but I'm excited for what's coming today. And I, in, in 1971, when John Lennon released Imagine, and it came out in 1979, John and I are comparing notes because, you know, we go back that far. But um, they released the album back the Beatles did, and that was a big, big thing when that, when that struck. And that song, and I never, you know, I, I heard it since 1971. I was in high school, and I, I, I remember listening to it, and everybody was wowed by it and pulled in by it, and... You know, you had the, the fuzzy feelings and the honey and all of that. You know, you had all of that. But last night, the words of that song struck me like a brick in the face. I, I'd never thought about those words and how subtle and cunning that is. And, and uh, let me tell you, I don't know if you remember during Y2K, uh, the, the, the uh, United Nations voted unanimously to make Imagine the song of the century. And, and they played that at noon on Y2K and had the whole world, the whole world, uh, listen to that song. It was universally played, if you remember, uh, during uh, New Year's on Y2K. And they said, for this, for this century, that is the song that speaks, the, that, that's, the, that's the icon, if you like, of the whole world. And I remember they stopped and listened to it. And I thought, how foolish, you know, to do that. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, 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 we went on about our business. But, you know, for the whole world, they thought, oh, wow, imagine a world now in the next hundred years that's no, no hell, uh, a world where there's no, no moral boundaries, there's whatever you want, you know, and all of this, everybody loves one another. It's just a pie in the sky. It's a Chinese balloon over, over your head. That's all it is. And I'll tell you what, the Word of God just blows that out of the sky. And, and uh, that's not real. That's not real. I'm glad we have something real. I'll tell you what the song of the century is. Sister Becky's going to play it and we're going to sing it. I'll tell you what, this is the song of the century. Brother Bram said, as a matter of fact, this is the song you're going to sing when you go through the portals of glory.
When you get there and you see me by the gate, because I'll be there by the gate waiting for all of you. Jeremiah, you too. Everybody. We'll be singing this as we go through the gate. Stand and sing it with me. Amazing grace. How sweet is the sound. That's safe. Sing it now. Raise your hand. Sing it to him. Glory to God. How we thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, how we love your grace. How we love your mercy. We once were lost, but now we're found. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. When we've been there a thousand years, glory, when Thank you for sending us a prophet and a message, Lord, to show us and emphasize again to us what the day is that we're living in, Lord. And Father, we thank you for your grace because we just think about how, how evil the day is today. And, and you said when you were here on earth, except the days were shortened, should anybody be saved? It's just by your grace, Lord. Father, we just ask your blessing upon this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Lord bless you. Uh, this evening, while we're standing, perhaps we can uh, turn over to the book of Colossians chapter 2. And uh, just want to uh, thank you all for your very good attention uh, last night. I was long. I usually don't try to be so, uh, be so long, but you're so attentive and appreciate that. And the good fellowship afterwards. Uh, and uh, I love whoever is responsible for the... Uh, for the, uh, the frogs boiling there on the tables and enjoying the process, that was uh, that was very nice, very nice. The uh, the theme was incorporated uh, throughout the evening. Amazing. Um, we can go ahead and start the PowerPoint, hopefully. Um, but Colossians chapter two, verses uh, six to eight, kind of being uh, for me a, a key um, to um, to our to our identity. We talked last night a lot about uh, about the negative and seeing just how uh, how dark it is today. Um, but I want to try to uh, turn a corner uh, this morning and look at yes, identity has been uh, has been unmoored from uh, from its uh, basis in the in the, the Lord. But I want to try to talk about how we can re-anchor our identity yeah. in God. And uh, the book of Colossians chapter 2 um, verse 6 uh, gives, some, gives some good principles. We focused on verse 8 last night, but look at verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, 
just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I just love verse 7 there. Rooted. What kind of soil are we rooting our families in? What kind of soil are we rooting our kids in? What are we using to, to build them up, establish? I mean, those three words, you'd almost think they were synonyms, rooted, built up, established. But he, God just wants to make this process. It's so important. He wants to make it so clear. Just as we were taught, we want to pass it on, abounding in thanksgiving. Then he gives a warning. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, because all those things are not according to Christ. May the Lord add this blessing today. Uh, you may be seated. When we were at uh, youth retreat, we did uh, one session on the boiling frog. and just kind of tried to pack everything in um, to one session. And it was interesting in the uh, small group discussion the morning thereafter, I was a, I was a little devotion leader, and... Um, I wanted to throw out there, yeah, what are some things as, as young people, how, how do we go ahead and establish, uh, you know, how much screen time is too much screen time, what is good media, what's not good media, I think this is something good to talk about, and then um, kind of brought a nuance to the question, yeah, what do we think would be fine for our kids, and none of us are married yet, we were thinking, but yeah, what would be, and it was really interesting, all the, the responses getting thrown back and forth there, but um, as I was listening um, I just noticing um, when we have a question like that, um, the tendency of a lot of us might be, oh, what does Google say is too much screen time? Or how do you make a choice about this or that? And a lot of the answers that we were giving was like, yeah, I got my first phone when I was such and such years of age, and that worked out fine. It's all probably the same with my family. Or I got my first social media account here or this or that. And we were basing it all upon... What, what I did or what my experience was. And I just said, Let, let's stop for just a minute. Because uh, like Brother Barry said as he was calling me up, was, does the Bible have anything to say about this? Because it's easy just to base our choices and our decisions upon what happened in our lives or what happened with somebody we know. But does the Bible have anything to say about this. And of course, when we ask a question like that to the Lord, we don't get an answer just like that, um, but we seek for it. And I just wanted to take a few minutes before we get started to kind of share some biblical uh, principles I think are really helpful. Um, and one of these is uh, in Philippians 4.8. You've got the, the kid lounging there enjoying his, uh, his screen time. And you can Google, you can, you can, um, you can't Google screen time. You can um, look in your concordance. You can look in the message. Brother Branham doesn't say the phrase screen time. It's not in the King James Version or the English Standard Version. So does the Bible have anything to say about it? So you have to, you have, as, as you read the scripture, you, you, you read it prayerfully you, before you start. You, and, you, and you take time to do it. You don't just uh, uh, do it really quick. And okay, I've got my Bible reading in for the day. No, if we've got a question, it's going to take some time and actually pray, Lord, what, what is some answer here? And then we go and we, and we meditate upon it and just wait for the Lord to lead us. And I love Philippians 4.8. This is what I call the, the thinking man's filter. Because Paul says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and I know the verse has about seven other whatsoevers, but I wanted to get all of, all of it on one slide really easily. But of all things that are true, a lot of our social media feed falls out pretty fast there. 
whatsoever things are honest. A lot of the celebrity gossip that's all over the news, it falls out there pretty fast. Whatsoever things are just, there goes your political news. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, that's a beautiful word. Whatsoever things are not just true, honest, just pure, but also lovely. But just the, the character and in, integrity of it just has a beauty that attracts. It's, it's lovely. And you know what it says? If anything that meets these criteria, it says, and then also whatsoever things are of good to report. Is it edifying to even talk about or pass on and dwell on? My, all these things. And if it meets all these different criteria, then it says, if there be any virtue in it, if there be any praise in it, think on these things. And my goodness, if we were to have this as like the, like the background for our phone, we, we turn it on and think, if this, 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 scroll further. It's like, how would our, how would our time be looking different? But this is a really good question. Should my child be playing this particular game? Maybe it seems... Uh, and people, and, and uh, each family can make different decisions about something. It's not like what one family does is good for everybody. Um, I, I, I think there's, there's room for variety and things like that. Everybody's seeking God's will. It can be a little different for each, for each family. But it's important that we, that we seek God's will and not just what worked well for me. I played this kind of game when I was a kid and see how I turned out. Your wife might roll her eyes. But yeah, we're all still together. But don't base it just upon what seemed to have worked out for us. Because you know what? Brother Branham says, um, the times that we're living in are much worse than the times um, that he lived in. The times that your kids are living in are much worse than the times that you grew up in. And this uh, quote from a blushing prophet really, really touches me. Um, he's, he's speaking, I think, as, as, as people are coming forward. And he says, to see these young women coming, weeping, life before them, they're at the crossroad. Then he says, they're a victim of circumstances. I thought that's an interesting statement. And I don't think he's using the idea of victim of circumstances and the woke idea of victimhood, that if you're a victim, then you're legitimized and you're authentic and you're okay the way you are. He's not meaning it like that. He says, circumstances may have, have become so difficult that the struggles that we can have today, we didn't choose to be born into this kind of a world. We didn't, when, when I was growing up, when, uh, when my dad was growing up, when my grandpa was growing up, if you wanted to look at something that was wrong, if you wanted to find pornography, for, for example, it took effort to find it in the place where you wouldn't be caught. It took real effort. Nowadays, it takes that same amount of effort not to see it the world that we live in has just completely changed. So we can't base what we did and everything turned out fine because the game has gotten so... The game. Yeah, the, the struggle, the challenge has gotten so much more serious. But he says, do you realize, old men, when we were boys, our boys has got ten times the temptation we had? And he's saying this in 1956. This is exponentially the case now. He says, sister, do you realize that your daughter has ten times 
the temptation you had when you were a girl. What will her daughter have? Look at the things. The pictures, the devil's a painting. The devil's a great painter. He's painting all, just imagine, right? The things that he's painting. And then he says, oh, how we need to pray. And if there's a call of duty for us as parents today, that's their call of duty, how we need to pray. I think this Philippians 4.8 is just a beautiful scripture to, to, to go forward into our media decisions with this. And I like Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Because hey, if, you give him, if you're creating a, um, an optimum situation for him to cast you down, you're probably going to get cast down. You can give that place. You can create an opportunity. Hey, guys, if you know you're going to have trouble being by yourself on your phone, don't take your phone to your bedroom when you go to sleep. Leave it on the kitchen counter because you're giving place to the devil otherwise. Sometimes, just like when Brother Brandon was in the car yesterday, as we were talking, he wasn't in the car yesterday, we were telling a story about when he was in the car. Um, we were telling the story yesterday, and he's listening to this news broadcast, and it starts to get to him. How does he overcome that? He just turns it off. It can be so simple sometimes. And when we don't do that, we just might be giving place to the devil. And then also, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We're by your seal to the day of redemption. If you feel a little check about something, I think, oh, this is ridiculous. Everybody does this. If you feel a check about it, be thankful you, you feel a check. Because I tell you, when God is dealing with your heart, that pull of the Lord, that is the most precious thing in your life. There's nothing more important than that. And when he's pulling on your heart, my, just follow that. Just follow that. And he might say, man, I'm just being overly legalistic here. Hey, if you are, he'll take care of that and he'll lead you another direction. But follow that. You don't want to make a habit of stepping over, stepping over, stepping over. For a, a chapel at school I did one time, um, I, uh, I, got the, I got the kids there in the gym. and we were all, They were on the bleachers and I just kind of sat down. I took my shoe and my sock off and I got a sharp knife. I said, you know, guys, what do you think will happen if I cut my foot with this knife? That's, you're you're going to bleed. But I took my sock off, and I'm sitting there. And I said, I can cut this particular foot because I played basketball for a long time. It's got a callus there. I can go sharp with a knife there, and I won't feel a thing. That's what happens if we continually go over what the Holy Spirit's dealing with. We start building a callus. And you know what? The pain is a gift of God. Because there are medical conditions where you no longer feel pain. And the woman who has this particular medical condition, she can be cooking in her kitchen, and she doesn't realize her hand is on the burner. And her hand is getting cooked, but she doesn't feel the pain. And she just keeps on going. Pain, our conscience, is a gift of God. We can like, man... I remember one story. It was uh, um, called, uh, Captain's Courageous by uh, Rudyard Kipling. Two boys are on the ship, and one boy says to the other boy, I wouldn't, give, have a, I wouldn't take a conscience like yours, not for a million dollars, because it's so sensitive. He's always getting upset by this and that. He says, but no, a sensitive conscience to God is such a special thing. And if we can retain that innocence and that tenderness, that, that's a really, really wonderful thing. So um, I just wanted to make... This introductory 
comments and just how what 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 the, what the serious time it is. And the Bible does say things about uh, our media use and things like that. We just have to be willing to wait and be sensitive and be led to the Lord by that. So yesterday we opened with the scripture, who is there among you of all his people? King Cyrus poses this question. We would have expected everybody's hands to go up and if they'd been in tune with the day they were living in and the prophecies that were being fulfilled, they would have gone up. However, like we saw yesterday, only about one-third of the Jews who were in Persia and Babylon at that time made the trek back. And we're talking, why? Why didn't they all go back? What was it that was uh, keeping them behind? And we saw a number of things uh, last night that were at work. But I want to talk about today is how uh, Satan was, uh, had, was very effective in unmooring their identity from Jehovah. And when you moor a boat, you're, you're tying it up to the dock. You're, uh, and, and Satan was very effective at loosening that rope and just sending the, the identity of these Jews out to drift. But um, today I want to start off by looking at not those Jews who, uh, who perished in Babylon uh, and enjoyed the whole process. I want to start off by taking a look at those Jews who went back, who could say, yes, that's it. I am one of Jehovah's children. This is where I want to go. I want to look at those, those, those families and see if we can see what, did they, what might they have done so we can imitate that. And if you could open up your Bibles to Ezra chapter um, 2, we'll look at a couple things here. Now we know Brother Branham says uh, different places how uh, if you can't find, uh, he says Jesus Christ is in every single scripture in the Bible. And if you can't find Jesus in a particular verse, you need to go back and read it over again. And uh, I can remember thinking of that. Now, what am I supposed to do with that principle that Brother Branham gives and the chapter like Ezra 2, which is just a really long list of very difficult to pronounce names? Or you've got First Chronicles chapter 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, which is the begats. How are you supposed to find Jesus Christ in those scriptures? Um, but um, he's there. He's there. We'll just take a look at a, bit, a little bit of that. So Ezra chapter 2, verse 1, this is, a, this is what, 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 what he says. Now, these are the children of the province that went up out of their captivity, of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away into Babylon, and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one unto his city. So we'll first take a look at this word, these. These are the children. Because if you continue on in verse 2, it says they came up with Zerubbabel. Then this begins this list. Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Realiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Riam, Bayana. This is this, the whole chapter goes like this. The number from each family who's going up. And th- where, is, where is Jesus Christ in this? Where is he with these genealogies? Because as these names are being read off, if you go down to verse 62, it was really important. Everybody who went back, they had to know, they had to be able to sing that, yes, I am a child of the king. I've got his royal blood flowing through my veins. They had to be able to show that because there was a group of families who came up, and then verse 62 says, 
this particular family, they sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but they were not found. And they were saying that we're of the tribe of Levi, but if you can't be found to really be of the tribe of Levi, then you can't be part of the priesthood. So they were put off, put, put aside as polluted until, verse 63 says, until a priest could stand up with the Urim and Thummim and there could be divine confirmation that they are who they say they are. So it was really important for these Jews to be able to show, yes, our genealogy goes back to Abraham. Our genealogy goes back to David. Our genealogy goes back to Levi. Because if they didn't, they, they, wouldn't, they, wouldn't, they, they would not automatically get a piece of the land. They had to show that. Why was that so important? Well, for the Jews, identity was really important because their family tree is what connected them to the covenants God made to Abraham, to Moses, to David. For the genealogy to the Jews was just as important as knowing that we're born again for us. It's the same thing. Because there were special promises made, for example, to David, that God promised David will always have a son upon the throne. So, hey, Zerubbabel comes, and he can show, I am from David's line. I am a bearer of this promise. And he's going back, bearing a promise. He knows where he's supposed to go. You've got men of the priesthood, like Ezra, for example. He can take his prom. He can take his all the way back to Levi. He can show, I'm from the family even of Zadok. There's a promise there also that these families will have somebody in, 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 in the priesthood. There's a promise there, and they're able, with this genealogy, to take it right back. Yes, 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 I'm an heir of the promise. We can see Christ there because it's just as important for them as knowing that we're born again is for us. It's the connection to the promise. But the other part that I thought was really important from this verse, um, Ezra chapter 2 and verse 2, the very end part, it says that everyone went up unto his city. Unto his city. They didn't just go and then draw lots. Where should we be, where should we be going back? They knew where they came from. Because they, they knew who their, who their forefathers were. They knew what tribe they were from. They knew what clan they were from. They knew what family they were from. They knew what village they was in their section of, of the promised land. They knew how the promises pertained to them. They knew what their property was in the promises of God. How did they know that? How did these folks know that? And why did other families not know that? How did they know where to go? And I just kind of got to thinking about this. I think a big part of the reason why these families knew where to go knew what their homeland was, the actual village, their own city. I think there were some dads there in Babylon who took the time each evening to have devotions with their families and say, no kids, the world we're living in right here, it's not my home. I spend eight hours a day at work. Sometimes I have to work overtime, but this is not my home. This home that we have, that we've saved a lot of money for and that we work on, This isn't my home. And that's why right now, kids, we're going to get together. 
there are a lot of other things that we could be doing right now that I think are real important, that mom thinks are real important, but this world's not our home, and we're going to take some time right now to talk about the Lord and have some devotions. And I just think that's so important to take that time each and every day. And I believe there were some dads and moms who did that there in the days of, there in the days of Babylon. And um, I'm going to take a look in the book of Malachi, and we just want to take for a few minutes how, as, as moms and dads, we can anchor our family's identity, our kids' identity, and who they are in Christ, who they are in the Lord. Because uh, sometimes I'll do, uh, I'll do Bible activities and Bible quiz activities with, uh, with my uh, students at school and things. And you might be amazed sometimes. You can ask questions that we think would be really, really common knowledge. And you know, you ask a question, maybe the kids just get petrified because they don't know. They're put, they're put on the spot. But there are a lot of times... There's not a lot of Bible knowledge out there sometimes. And that's something that that we can do better at. Malachi 2 verse 7. It says, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge. I'm going to talk for a few minutes, not about the the high priest or or Brother Barry or the pastor or the deacon, not not the fivefold minister, but it says the priest's lips should keep knowledge. I'm going to talk about the priesthood of mom and the priesthood of dad. Because dads were priests of our homes. Moms, Brother Ram talked about you being the fifth gospel. We have, we have a, there's a priesthood of believers. The priest's lips should keep knowledge. They should seek the law at his mouth. If our kids have questions, they should be able to ask us. And I know sometimes that as the kids get older, they, they can, you can feel awkward talking to mom or dad about something, and I understand that. But they should be, they, they, they should be able to come to you. What does this word keep entail? What does it mean to keep knowledge? That was supposed to be a Hebrew script there, but the kogag is uh, the word. And um, we might think, first of all, that keeping knowledge is kind of like what this um, Jewish man is doing. I think that's a phylactery. Is that what that is? Yeah. And he's got the word bound upon his, his head. He's got the word bound upon his, his arms. And I've, I've, they're on flights before. I've, 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 I had a, a Jewish man sitting up in front of me, and in the middle of the flight at a certain time, he gets the phylactery out, and he's, he's going through his prayers until he's finished with it, and he takes it off, and then, 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 he's, then he's finished, and he goes on. But this, we can think, this is, this is keeping knowledge, kind of like what Deuteronomy talks about. You should teach them diligently unto your children. You should talk about my commandments and the promises when you sit in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. This is the atmosphere that we're setting in our, and there in our homes and our routines. You should bind them for a sign upon your hand. There should be a frontlet between your eyes. So wherever you look, that's what you're seeing. This is like, there's not a lot of distractions in this ideal world of Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9. You'll write them upon the post of your house and on your gates. And I took this verse when I was a teenager. I was, I was praying for the, like, I could know I had the Holy Spirit or for different other promises. And I applied this verse 9. I would, I'd print things out. I'd, I'd stick it right by my bed where I'd be reading my Bible. I'd stick it by my door. So I would leave my room. I'd come back. I, I'd, I'd be seeing these things. We can apply these things because we're constantly being reminded by the devil of who we're not and what we should be and our shortcomings. We can take God's word, and it's powerful to do it for us. And we can, and uh, a lot of uh, um, a lot of um, keeping the knowledge of God 
is by applying Deuteronomy 6, 7 to 9. But sometimes um, we can get into a, a mindset, I've got, if I'm going to do a family devotion, it has to be a certain way where we kind of get the kids all together there on the couch, we, we sit in a circle, we, we sing it, by the rap. Do you realize I've got a four-year-old and I've got a 14-year-old and I've got kids all in the midst and it just doesn't happen. It's like 9 o'clock at night and everybody is squirrely. This isn't going to happen. I understand that. Um, and we'll, 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 we'll talk about some, 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 some things there. But it's, it's important. Sometimes um, we can apply this idea of family devotions a little different than what we think it has to be. Because we think, I can never do it like this. Well, let's see how we can do it. Because this word, keep knowledge, I actually looked up what it meant. And I had an idea of what keeping knowledge is. But I looked up the definition. It means to hold a feast, to hold a festival, to make a pilgrimage, to keep a feast, to, to keep a pilgrim feast, to celebrate, to dance, to stagger. Another definition was to reel. Keeping knowledge. And sometimes we have an idea of um, family devotions is like like the kids in the old one-room schoolhouse. You've got the kids. Um, so you you say A is an apple, B is in boy, C is in cat, D is a, okay. You get your lesson. We write their Bible verse down. We have this this idea. It's just rote. Kids, you have to sit still. I'm telling the Bible story. Say, hey, sit still. Stop moving around. Hey, we can. It's not going to happen. But you know what? This idea of keeping knowledge is much bigger than this rote component. I use this scripture when I introduce uh, the, the school year sometimes that we're trying to do activities this year, guys. It's not just worksheets. Because, you know, worksheets play a component to it. But God's a hands-on kind of God. And we can make a devotion a hands-on kind of thing. How would we like family devotions like this? But you know what? This is keeping knowledge. This celebration. This is just as much keeping knowledge as you guys sitting still listening to me tell the story of David and Goliath. This is just as much keeping knowledge. And I just got to thinking about this. My, we can, uh, we can do devotions in a... There's so many different ways to be doing this. Yeah. I think in keeping knowledge, keeping a, as holding a feast, um, celebrating this. And when I think, think about it like, like a birthday party or a, or a feast, what are some characteristics of this? Well, specialness. You have a feast because there's something special. You know what? We, have, we, we make devotion something really fun and cool and special because it is special. The knowledge of God yeah. is special. Yeah. And it has a purpose and a focus. You get together for a birthday party. There's some little kid who's the center of attention. He just blows everything. He blows the candles out. Yeah, everybody claps. It has a focus. And when, we have a, when, we have, we, when we talk about God with our kids and with our, as a family, there's a focus. There's a purpose in it. We don't just, okay, what's the Bible story for tonight? And Okay, let's, let's go. Let, let's, let's just read it. I know we can get busy, but there's a purpose. There's a focus behind it. Just like there's a purpose and a focus to keeping this knowledge. And you know what? If you celebrate an anniversary or any other kinds of feasts, it's repetitive, right? Every year it happens at the same time. And Keeping a knowledge, keeping the knowledge of God, and these kind of celebration, it happens regularly. There's something that can be counted upon. Yeah. It's not the exception, but it's the it's the rule. Yeah. It, it, this is this is standard. This is what we this is what we do. This is what a celebration's like, a feast is like, and we use that same concept as we keep the knowledge of God. Yeah. And you know what? If you look at that picture, 
as the Jews are just having this celebration, my, everybody's involved, having a blast. Everybody's involved, even, those, even these little kids who have no idea why they're dancing around, but they're dancing around together. It's fantastic. That's a value. Even if the kid doesn't understand every single word of that scripture passage that you did, you made a memory together, and that memory is anchored in their identity in Christ. There's something special about that. Keeping this knowledge is active. You can make memories this way. Around Christmas time, we did a, uh, a family devotion with my kids, and we actually did the same one last, uh, I think it was uh, Friday night, because my daughters were saying, Dad, can we please act out another Bible story? Can, can we please act it out? That's awesome when your kids are begging you to have a f- special family devotion. It's like, this is like a best-case scenario. So, yeah, we, we, we did that. But back in December, we had family devotions, and uh, thought, hey, we're going to tell the story about the wise men. So I said, okay, well, we're going to turn all the lights off in the house. Wow. And I'd gotten my flashlight. I put a piece of paper over the flesh, which I'd already cut out a star form on there. I said, okay, girls, come on, Sophie, come on, Lynn. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel afar over the whole house, over moor and mountain, everything else. Following the star, they thought it was fantastic. It was awesome. I thought it was great. <laughs> and then we finally get to, get to uh, Jerusalem and Queen Herod. Uh, my wife was sitting regaled on her throne and she interrogated uh, the wise men, and then Herod's soldiers played with my bloodthirsty son, was just, let me at those babies in Bethlehem. I'm on the town, I'm going to get these guys. And we saw it. We did the whole story. We didn't read, a, we didn't read any verses. We told the story. And they remembered it. They'll probably remember it for a long time. But what we did, we, we made a memory. And that's keeping the knowledge of God. There are lots of ways of doing this, that, hey, in that devotion, those kids didn't sit still for much time at all. But we still have that time together. And you know what? When we, when we do family time around the Lord like this, we emphasize that we do it together. We're showing that mom and dad are in this together. This is a lifelong journey. This is a pilgrimage, this journey of keeping the knowledge of God. You know what? There's atmosphere to keeping the knowledge of God like this. You can have devotions that, are, that can be serious, and that can be very appropriate. But you can also have devotions that are very joyous. The Jews had serious feasts like Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread. These feasts are, way, are God's hands-on learning activities. They're doing things together. But you have joyous feasts, like when you all go out for the Feast of Tabernacles. You make these, 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 these booths in the backyard, and you camp out for a week. And as you're camping out there, every evening you're telling stories about how God brought the children of Israel out of, the, out, out, out of Egypt, brought them through the wilderness into the promised land. This is how God was teaching his, mom, his, his moms and dads in Israel to have family devotions with their kids. You could actually do that. You could go camp out one time, coming summer. Hey, one night we're going to be talking about how God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Next night we're going to talk how God brought the children of Israel out of Babylon. You know what? That third night, we're going to ask Grandpa to come and tell us how God worked in his life. You can do stuff like this. You know, that means that um, fam- one thing that's really hard about family devotions 
everybody's tired that time. Of course, if you're homeschool, uh, you have family devotions in the morning when everybody's, then you hit them at, at your best. But if I try to get family devotion in at 9 o'clock in the evening, I'm tired. My wife's tired. My kids are tired. Everybody's grouchy, and we just kind of make the best of it and check off the box we had the devotions. Whew. But you know, if we can, if we can make it time for it, a little better time, time of the day, Sometimes we do it around the supper table because everybody's there at the supper table. Sometimes you can do it after supper, before everybody uh, starts heading off to bed. But you can get this routine, this bedtime routine. And I tell you, routines are fantastic. Can you imagine, guys, if your kids were quiet in bed by 9 o'clock? Like, that would be awesome. But, yeah, you could get, uh, get, get kids together. Um, I mean, you can have, have battles. David can slay Goliath. Um, and, and, and you can act this out. Or I thought about it. Uh, um, one of the brothers who's, uh, um, has his kids are in our school, brother Zach Wallace, he did a, a chapel service one time. He was telling how in their house they'll have sock wars. And he says, yeah, you can have, uh, you can have the devil on this side. And the devil's going to be throwing fiery darts. And you can get the, everybody, the whole family behind the couch. And you have one person be the devil throws those fiery darts. And what's this fiery dart? This fiery dart says, you're worthless. <laughs> Another fiery dart. You can't do it. Another fiery dart. You've sinned so far, God can't touch you. Those are those fiery darts. Then you could add, and it'll be, it'll be fantastic throwing these socks. They'll just love that. But at the same time, over here, you can look up, hold up, the devil threw a fiery dart here. What's this fiery dart say? Oh, wow. You can't do it. Does the Bible, is there a verse in the Bible that we can throw back at the devil and say, yes, we can do it? There is. Hey, guys, Philippians 3. 314 or 43, I forget right now. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Go get that devil. And you can have a fantastic time, and they're going to have fun, and they're going to see how certain scriptures relate to certain real life circumstances. You're going to make a memory, and yeah, you might lose some socks in the process, but you'll be keeping knowledge. You'll be acting out spiritual warfare, and you're keeping knowledge. And you can say, man, I'm too busy. I just have to take so much time. It does. It does. But you know what? When your teenagers have made bad decisions later, and, that, and then you get the phone call in the middle of the night, that takes time too. Spend the time now. Printing God's word there in their hearts. I think it's also really good. Uh, it can be, when we get busy as moms and dads. You get the kids in bed, then you feel like you've basically collapsed in bed yourselves after that sometimes. And you can get really busy, and after a while, you almost get to that point where you're like ships passing. Everybody's got their own schedule. You've got this and that, and that connection that you used to have kind of breaks away. And when you see that, you've got to reach out and, and restore that. And one thing that uh, my wife and I have learned and we, we try to keep up with is we try to connect each evening, and our, our, our conversation starter is basically, what was the high point of your day today? What was the high point? And then you start talking about that. And yeah, some days there aren't too many high points. <laughs> and it might be obvious what the low point was, but you still ask the question. Because you know what? Ephesians 4 says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Because when you let the sun go down upon your wrath, you're given place to the devil. You go to bed angry, you wake up still 
upset and haven't, haven't made up, then you go to work and you're still harboring something, you are given place to the devil because somebody else on your job might be really nice to you that day. Yeah, don't want to go there. Take that time with each other also. So I just kind of made this little diagram. How can we keep the knowledge of God? Well, it's going to be founded on our own personal walk with God. We have to, have, we have to keep that as, our, as, our, uh, as parents for ourselves. And in our phases of life, some things that we used to have time to do when we were teenagers, we might not have time that same... To, I might not have time to, 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 to spend an hour in my devotion in, in, in the morning. I, I, I try to get up early and, uh, and do that, but the morning it works. Who comes traipsing out at 6.15 in the morning as I'm trying to read my Bible? It's my little sweet Sophie. She's coming out, and she wants to sit in my lap. So, yeah, we can do that for a while, and I'll try reading before too long. My, my intention to be spending time with God is now I've got to go make breakfast for my daughter. But you know what? That's also my call of duty. And when you're there for your daughter, that's no less spiritual. Because I could say, hey, hold up, get away from me. I'm having my time with God now. I'm ha- hey, you can't talk. go back to your bed so I can pray. <laughs> what kind of memory are we making there? All of a sudden, dad's walk with God is something that keeps me from my dad. Ooh, that's not the point either. Being a dad, we have, we have, we have a walk with God, but how that gets fleshed out, that might be changing as we go through different life phases. But I just think it's important. We keep the knowledge of God. We pray together. We sing together. We read together. Now, if I try to get my older son to be singing along and read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. If we, he's going to have a harder time getting into the motions and everything. And you'll grow, 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 shrink, shrink, shrink. That's going to be tough. Now, if I say, Job, you've got to participate here. Yeah, I'll probably end up closing up his heart pretty fast. But I'm fine. We might do something with my girls. There are four and six that they might really enjoy doing. And sometimes, just because bedtimes are different, my wife might take the girls to bed, and she'll do a devotion with them, and I'll spend something with my son. We have things together sometimes, but the important thing is don't make the particular routine your God. You can, you can adapt, because sometimes, yeah, Job's heard these Bible stories. What he really, we're, what we're doing right now is, uh, is reading through Brother Owen Jorgensen's uh, biographies of Brother Branham. He loves it. So he's sitting next to me, and we're, and we're, and we're reading a chapter, and it's, it's, just, it's just great. And uh, he's, just, he's just enjoying it, and what's this showing? Hey, God's done something special in our day, and he vindicated it. And there is a word of prophecy out there showing us what time they were living in. That's, that's super. Sometimes we'll do it all together as a family. The girls will go to bed. Then Job, hey, Dad, can we, uh, can we do our Bible reading? Can, can we do our, our Brother Brandon book? Yeah, 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 we'll do that. It might take, you might be taking 45 minutes there in the evening with this Bible story and then this time. And you don't always have time for that. But you know what? How important is it? It is important. It's really important. Take that time. Tell, act out Bible stories. It's, it's a super, this is all about keeping the knowledge of God. Include variety. You don't always have to do the same, very same book. You can switch to another book for a while, switch to a different book for a while, do different kinds of Bible stories, different approaches. The kids will like that. You could be reading Pilgrim's Progress. There's a really beautiful illustrated version of Pilgrim's Progress out right now with little animal characters. 
They're just the kids. The girls love the love the pictures. It just draws them into the story, and that's that's a great thing. You can memorize some verses together, you, but you can do things together too. And as you do all of these things, you're keeping the knowledge of God in a really really special way. And I just. Uh, want to encourage, I, I, I believe that when the Jews went from Babylon to Israel, back to uh, Jerusalem, they knew where to go because somebody had told them where to go. They knew what the promises of God were because someone had taught them what the promises of God were. And remember, when we have an idea of what family devotions might be, the meaning of that word keep, to celebrate, to have a feast, to dance, to re- uh, it's, it's a very active, active word. And when we do this, when we, when we can do these kinds of things, we're anchoring our kids' identity and who God is. This, uh, that's just critical. Only God can say, I am that I am. Everybody else has to say, has to draw their identity from something else. Who you are is you are who you are because of who your parents are and their relationship. You draw your identity from them. We draw our identity from the Lord. Only God can say, I am that I am. I, I get my identity from myself. Nobody else can do that, which tells us that only Christ is he's the only stable source of identity. Any other source of identity we go to is going to change. It'll go up and down. It'll alternate. And a scripture that kind of came to me and with looking at basing our life upon the, the Lord, John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. And at first glance, this might have nothing to do with identity, but I think it has a lot to do with identity. Who those branches are is completely dependent upon the vine. What kind of fruit they bear is completely dependent upon the vine. Their identity is dependent upon the vine. They know who they are, these branches, to the extent they're actually abiding in the vine. And the same thing for us. To the extent that we're abiding in Christ, we'll know who we are. But if we've got our wick other places, then we'll be thinking, my, I could be this, I could feel, I feel this way, I'm doing this thing, what am I? And everything goes, goes, goes strange for us. Going to look, look back... Um, we're going to take a look now and see, just like the, in, in Babylon, the king mounted the full-scale assault on their identity. In the 21st century, that battle for identity has only intensified. So I want to, I want to we've, we've taken this first half of the service and talked about how as parents we can anchor our family's identity, our, our kids' identity in, in the scripture. And that's, that's for me, is a, a really key part of the thought this morning. But I'm going to end with, this battle over identity that's intensified now. It's almost like the incentive. It is, it's really important to be with our kids and be sharing them with the scripture, who we are, because the devil's out there. He's doing everything he can to create confusion over identity. So, dictionary.com has a word of the year for 2022. What was dictionary.com's word of the year for 2022? It was the word Woman. Why would that be the word of the year for 2022? You have a Supreme Court justice who's asked, What's, uh, what is a woman? She says, I don't think I can define that. What? 
You have biologists at, uh, at, at, at high-ranking institutions, and they want to say a woman is, this gives a traditional definition, an adult female. And that is, that, that, that is cause for lots of problems in their career. There is so much debate. What is a woman? What is a man? And uh, hopefully we can be solid in that, uh, in that knowledge today. But you know, if you go out there in the world, all kinds of thoughts will be going past you, your way, this way and that way. This is the world that we live in. We just want to talk about it for a few minutes here. Here we are. This is this young man who's going to be going off to school and he's going to be getting all kinds of competing ideas for who he is. These happen just so happen to be three women there on the left hand or the right hand side. But you got somebody. I am my academic career. I am I'm into Eastern meditation, or I I am my my high powered career, or yeah. Here you've got I am all about my body, my fitness, or here you've got the beauty of the uh, of the transgender. There you have a, a drag queen. Who are we? And the question that we have to be able to say is, what's the truth about you? Who does God say that you are? Because the devil will give you a gazillion possible answers for who the who, for the who real, for who the real you is. But we need to know, what does God say is the truth about us? We talked about some uh, um, academic ideas yesterday. Well, one idea is, is materialism based upon science, science, uh, I'll say there's nothing more than the body. You're just the, the, the sum of your parts. Chemistry, genetics explain absolutely everything um, with morality. Might does make right. Um, if you can't, if you can't uh, knowledge is based on what you can weigh, what you can measure. To measure is to know. These are the ideas of materialism. And you've got uh, one uh, professor at MIT says, a conscious person is simply food rearranged. Because for the, um, for the, um, for the academic uh, uh, scientist, this idea of a human consciousness can be problematic. That this awareness of, of ourselves, this self-awareness, where does that come from? Because you can have a... Do, do animals have humor? Do trees have humor. Yes, I can think some animals can have humor, especially the ones that we anthropomorphize the most. But you don't have animals, for example, committing like terrible tra- travesties of justice like the Holocaust. An animal isn't capable of that extent of evil. What is it that makes a, a human different? And Max Tegmark says, hey, all you are, guys, you're just food a little better arrangement for your existence. But this idea of what the soul is, what the consciousness is, it's hard for a materialist to answer because you have all these things. You've got, my, you've got great works of art. You've got works of literature. You've got fairy tales. You've got, all of this speaks to being something more than just my atoms that compose me. It wasn't just simply Van Gogh when he made Starry Night. He's not just simply food rearranged. He's possessed of an idea, and he's just working all night long, and this is not... Yeah, how does this make his survival any better? If artists were worried about survival of the fittest, they would stop being artists. It's not that. And you've got these... This, 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 here you've got these pie, root two, your natural uh, uh, E here. These are irrational numbers. 
And for a scientist, thinking the world is built upon reason, well, there's something irrational about irrational numbers. And this speaks there's got to be something more in the world than these, because these, these numbers are what hold the world together in some way. I don't, uh, I don't know much about that, but I know that much. But there's, it's hard for a materialist to be able to say, what is a soul exactly? And when scientists talk about this, they go, yeah, we're more than just the sum of our parts, but what are we exactly? One scientist, I've got an article with these quotes, he says, yeah, we're just an organic prism. Do you know, a prism can, ref- can take light in and reflect it and make something beautiful out of it. Somehow we're just the organic prism, which is why beautiful things can come when uh, food rearranged tries to be do artwork, for example. Or we're just a characteristic of the network. What that network is, we don't know. We're just an autonomous state of matter. Scientists like, academics like this word state. Uh, we're a state of something. We're an aspect of matter. We're a process that's at work at multiple levels. That is what our consciousness is. That's what our, our soul is. And Philip Ball, the editor of Journal, says, it's a, what a horrible word state is anyway. It's cold and formal and at the same time vague and deceptively pedestrian. He says, we seem compelled to use it without quite knowing what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, because science isn't capable of just reducing the spiritual component of a human being to being just a bunch of atoms and molecules. There's much more to us than that because we're made in God's image. So because we're more than that, we get this advice. We have to search for something greater than ourselves because who we are has just atoms and molecules. We know we're more than that. However... If you if you go into if you if you if you buy the lie that yeah I'm just uh, I'm simply food rearranged I'm simply an arrangement of molecules what's the morality for that there isn't you can do what you want want to do but now you got to there's something greater than us so we we we're trying to get in tune with our heart and we follow our heart and I'm gonna throw a couple catchphrases that we see. Um, on all kinds of things. We might have even given, some of the, somebody might have given this kind of a phrase to us as advice as we make decisions in life. You're not sure what you're supposed to do? Follow your heart. But you might have said that to somebody before. And this is what's, um, what, what, is often being par- what is often being repeated as we're looking for something greater than ourselves. Follow your heart. Or another, uh, another one, Henry David Thoreau says, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life that you've imagined. Get off the rat race. Go do what you've always dreamed of doing. Go do that, and that'll be good. Just look for something greater than yourself. And You try to encourage somebody. says, just believe in yourself. Believe in yourself, and you'll be unstoppable. We use this kind of terminology, use these kinds of phrases as advice to somebody making decisions. We might have given that to somebody at some point because this is the world that we live in. It's what we're always told. I think this is good advice. This is a really nice one. Let your heart be your compass, your mind, your map. I love the alliteration there. Your soul, your guide, and you will never get lost. This is the kind of advice that gets out there. And parents, I'm I'm showing us this because we're supposed to keep the knowledge of God. When we're being presented with with questions or we we tell our, our, uh, our, our kids as they're preparing for school to go ahead and you got a big test today, but you can do it. And we just say that. Yeah, that's a good thing to say. There's nothing wrong. You don't want to say, I don't think you can. 
That's not going to help either. But um, I want to think about that because how much you can do it. When Brother Branham talks about praying with your kids before they go to school for an exam, you can do it. We're missing a chance when we say, you can do it. We're missing a chance to say, you know what? I struggled in that too, and there are lots of things I've struggled in, but you know what? I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can remember when I was in basketball. I played basketball in high school, and uh, I'm not as skinny as I was, because I was really skinny then. And I was this uh, uh, six foot, six foot, six foot, six inch tall basketball player out there, lanky going down the court. And my basketball coach, he probably wishes that I wasn't just six foot, six inches tall, but also like, like this meat, muscle. I, I wasn't that. I wasn't that at all. But he would be on the side and go, Rap, get strong. Rap, get strong. You're weak. I said, man, oh. That's not fun after you go from basketball practice and you've been, you're weak, get strong. Like, man. And we went to a uh, basketball tournament down in uh, Heath, Ohio. And um, I can remember my mom put on a little uh, uh, 4x6 card, a scripture, let's see if I can find it, it's in, from Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah 41, verse 10. She didn't say you can do it. What she wrote on there was Isaiah 41, 10, fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. That that was a scripture right to my knee. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my uprightness, of my righteousness. You know what? We went down to that tournament, and we won the championship because I got strong. But you know what? We could have just, even if we had lost that championship, the principle is there, though. It's not just that you can do it. It's that God can do it. Lean on Him. Because all we say is, you can do which is what we tend to say, and we feel good about giving that advice. All that we're teaching is just lean upon your own strength. But as parents, there's, so much a, there's such a better answer that we can give. Just think about this. When we say, follow your heart, it sounds great. It sounds great. But what are the assumptions? Well, you are assuming that your heart is always going to tell you the truth. Can we remember times when our heart has led us wrong about things? Yes, but when we tell somebody, just follow your heart, we're not telling them that part, and we're not telling them what the Bible says, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're missing a chance there because we don't want to follow our heart. We want to follow God's will. We don't want to follow our heart. We want to follow God's word. So we're not trying to get in tune with ourselves like the philosopher says, know yourself. No, know your God. And when you know your God, you will know yourself. So how about this? Let your heart be your compass, your mind, your map, your soul, your guide, and you will never get lost. But my, this sounds like, I mean, it sounds nice. Kind of like only imagine, right? It sounds nice when you actually think about what we're saying. What this is saying is it's good if everyone follows their own values. That's what it's saying. Let your, let your heart be your compass. My heart will be my compass. Let your mind be your map. My mind will be my map. Your soul will be your guide. My soul will be my guide. And look, neither one of us will, never get, will ever get lost. We'll all be happy in the end. 
It's saying it's good if everyone follows their own values. But what about the values of a criminal? They have particular values. Are their values less good than your values? If you think they are, what an intolerant person you are. (laughs) Follow your dreams. What about the dreams of somebody who wants to commit elder fraud? He's just following his dreams because he wants to survive better in his world because he's got a family to take care of too, you know. Is that good? Or what about the dreams? You know what, it's, it's... it's odd, even if you look at the, um, all the confusion over sexuality today. You can say L, G, B, T, Q, all those things. The world will say that's fine. They're not quite to the point where they'll say pedophilia is fine. But why not? They really don't have a leg to stand on there. Just give them 10 years, and it, it, it might, just might be there. But are the dreams of everybody equally valid? Henry David Thoreau, who we quoted, just follow your dreams, he says, the only obligation which I have a right to assume, my only obligation, my only duty, is to do at any time what I think right. And he was all about listening to your conscience, having your conscience be your guide. And we can, we can, uh, we can listen and say, yeah, your conscience is a great guide. He says, no, it's not. God gives you your conscience, but your conscience can be seared with a hot iron, your conscience may be weak. Your conscience may be defiled, Titus 1.15 says, because of the things we get into. So your conscience is not an infallible guide. We don't want our heart to be our compass. God's word is our compass. And that's why it's so important when, we, when, when issues come up, we can, and as, as, as is age-appropriate at the dinner table, and hey, what about this news story? This sounds really good, guys. But what's the Bible say about this? And it's okay. And yeah, it's, uh, in my house, it's probably everybody just kind of looking at me. Okay, Dad, tell us what's the next part of it anyway. But you know what? Go through the motions like that because you're still planting seeds. I always have this dream. I, I get to my class and everybody's interacting with me. I ask a question. I've got five hands that go up. It's not always that way. It's often not that way. But you're still sharing the truth and keep on doing that. Keep on doing that. Isaiah 55 God's ways will always be higher than our ways. God's ways will always be higher than our ability to perceive them. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways. So I don't want to follow my ways because I don't understand the best way. I want to follow God's ways. Believe in yourself. You will be unstoppable. Unleash your own superpower. That's what kids are told nowadays. And again, it sounds good, but all this is saying is you have enough within yourself to do anything. And if you're older than 20 years old, 30 years old, you know that is wrong. <laughs> you don't have enough. This is, this is just a patent lie. That sounds great, but you tell kids, just believe in yourself, you'll be unstoppable. You can get stickers put on their lockers, put on their lunchbox. No, we don't believe in ourselves. We look to our God. And, we, and if we parrot the wrong things, it sounds so good, but we're missing a chance. No, no. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's take this to the Lord in prayer. And there's a problem then. If we're telling our folks, believe in yourself and you'll be unstoppable, where does that put you when you fail? Because we can, and, I, and, I, and I've seen this before, 
where you've got the, uh, a, young, a young person, a, a young kid in the family, and he's very precocious, he's very talented, and he always gets feedback from his parents. That, Man, you're awesome. You are so gifted in this. You're so gifted because you've done this really, really good. Well, what happens when something turns out wrong for him? If I do it really well, it means I'm gifted. But if I mess up, does that mean I'm not gifted anymore? And I know we can't rely upon studies show, but I was at a teacher's conference uh, in the last year or two, and here you had teachers who were looking at two different groups of students in the classroom. And one, they're both given an assignment. Um, and at the end of completing this assignment, group A is told, you guys are awesome, fantastic, you are so good at this, you are really, really gifted. Like, wow, we're awesome. Group B, they say, you guys collaborated very well on this. You, 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 you made good attempts and you were able to alter your, your strategy effectively and you did a great job at this. Good job working together. How is the feedback different? One, I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying that you're, you're awesome, you're fantastic, you're gifted. I'm, I'm giving them positive affirmation for the things that they did really well. The next time these two groups were given a little different assignment, it was a little bit harder. This group, we were told they were awesome and fantastic. When it became harder, it was a struggle. I'm like, man, I can't do it. I'm not awesome anymore. And they didn't do as well. The second group, they actually did better because their identity wasn't based upon their awesomeness. It was just they're working together. And we can be so, it can be so easy to give compliments. Man, you are fantastic. You are such an awesome artist. I'm not saying it's wrong to say those things. But if, it's, if that's all that they're getting, we're basing their identity upon their report card or upon their achievement or whatever it might be. We can't base our identity upon what we do. We can't do that. If you look at um, our identity is not based upon that. Um, I've got to be careful not to go, uh, wind things down here. Um, at, the, at the Day of Judgment, um, there, will be, there is a group of people who come forward. And, um, and they say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name to many wonderful, mighty works? These people were basing their identity upon their own works. But God says, I never knew you. Our identity is based upon knowing God, and they didn't have that kind of identity. So our identity isn't based upon how good we perform. Because all of a sudden, when we fail to perform, our world crumbles. Our identity has to be stronger than that. And this next uh, slide, it's uh, very poignant. They say, follow your heart. But if your heart's in a million pieces, which piece do you follow? And this is just like that song we heard yesterday at the end of the service. Living their life upon what we can only imagine, and they try it. Hearts to a million pieces, and now what do I follow? You have to follow something greater than your heart. You have to follow God. And this is, a, this is our opportunity as, as parents to point our kids in the right direction, to keep the knowledge of God, to keep the knowledge of what is truly valuable. Now, last year... Um, Think about this time, actually. Um, a, a, a tragedy occurred in, uh, in New York City um, with this young lady named Chesley Christ, who is the Miss USA from 2019. And in uh, um, popular fashion magazine, I think it's uh, the magazine Allure, um, 
I came across her story. And she said, this is her article, her reflections upon turning 30. She says, I discovered that the world's most important question, especially when asked repeatedly and answered frankly, is why? Why earn more achievements just to collect another win? Why pursue another plaque or another medal or another line item on my resume if it's just for vanity's sake rather than out of passion? And this young lady, she had accomplished a lot. She was a Division I uh, All-American in track and field in North Carolina. Um, she had a, a JD degree. Um, she was also, uh, I think she was an MBA as well. She had accomplished everything. She was also Miss America. What? I mean, she's, she's got it all, you would seem to say. And she's saying, why? Why? I was told I should base my identity upon my accomplishments, and I've done that. But it's so, so empty. It's got to be more than that. She says, why do I have to work so hard to capture the dreams I've been taught by society to want when I continue to only find emptiness? What are the dreams that we're passing on to our kids? What's the dream? Is the dream, you, 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 know, you've, you know you've arrived when you've got this awesome house. Or you know you've arrived and you've got this awesome car. You know you've arrived when you can afford this. Or you've got this kind of a job. If that's all that we're passing on, we're passing on a life of emptiness to our kids. And the Chesley continued, too often I noticed that the only people impressed by an accomplishment were those who wanted that accomplishment for themselves. And meanwhile, I, who had them all, was rewarded with a lonely craving for the next award to just verify your own, to to confirm your own identity. And some would see this hunger and label it competitiveness. But others just might call it the unquenchable thirst of insecurity. Here's a 30-year-old, and she'd never been taught where to find her real identity. And she says, now I enter year 30, searching for joy and purpose on my own terms. I don't care about the plaques. I don't care about this or that. I want on my own terms. And that feels like my own sweet victory. And I think on her 30th birthday, she spent the day, um, that last, uh, last day that lives the last year, she actually had the Miss America crown. She's in her apartment in New York City wearing the Miss America crown around her apartment because it's the last year that she'd be having it. It might seem so special, but you think, what's so important about that crown, ultimately? And then about this time last year, she sends out this message on Instagram, may this day bring you rest and peace. And then she threw herself off her apartment building and committed suicide. You would think she had it all. She'd done everything her family wanted to do. She'd done everything the society wanted to do. I pursued all the things that society told me I should value. And she came up continually empty. We don't want that for our families. We have to keep the knowledge of God. What is really important in this life? And uh, I just think of the testimony of, uh, of Brother John LaFontaine. I was thinking about him and his family. 
And Brother Paul shared that when he passed away, Brother John wasn't a wealthy man. But you know what? People all around the world listen to those CDs. Are, 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 re, 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 just remember the effect that his, his ministry had. Did he have the newest car? Did he have the nicest house? No. If you look in financial terms, nobody might have labeled him a success. But he was a huge success in God's book. What kinds of models can we raise up? Say, yeah, this is the person I want to be like. I don't care if I have a six-figure income. I want to have a relationship with God. And that'll keep you in all things. We don't want to accept the assumptions. We don't want to accept all the philosophies of this world because they will spoil you. They'll take you captive. We want to jump out and say, no, I want a whole other basis for identity. I don't want a basis on, on who I am or who I feel, what my heart feels like. I'll go up and down, up and down. I don't want that. I don't want to become a boiled frog. I want to know who God says I am. Anchor in that. I want to pass on the... Live the dream. I want to pass on that dream for my kids where you just walk with God every day. If you do that, God will take care of the rest. I don't care if you've got the, the worst car. I don't care if, you're, if you've got problems in your property. Or, I don't care. But if you walk with God every day, he will take care of the rest. And I just want to end, encourage each family, each one of us, help us, Lord, to keep the knowledge of God. Keep the knowledge of God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Lord, I thank you that there were families there in Babylon who you prospered and you kept and were able to continue to remember why they were being prospered, why they were being kept, and they never took you out of the picture. Lord, I pray that you would help us as moms and dads priest of our home, Lord, to keep this special knowledge and to pass it on to our families, pass it on to our kids, Lord. Father, I know in the evenings, it can, it, it's such a busy world right now. It's so busy. We can be so tired. Lord, I pray that you would give moms and dads strength. Give me and my wife strength, Lord. It's not easy. Help us, Lord, to take time each and every day to share with our kids who they are who they are in Christ, what the Bible means to them. Lord, I pray you'd make it so clear that we might see more clear. Help us, Lord, to, to be sensitive to you. you know, Deuteronomy talks about uh, talking about you as we get up, as we move around the house. and We have to be sensitive to teachings. We can have devotions in our cars. Doesn't have to be all this. What we doesn't have to be the set, uh, set rhythm and we all get in a circle, talk about the scripture and pray and be done. But to do that, we have to be sensitive to your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to, Lord, just share our passion with our families. Lord, and I pray, just as Brother Brandon prayed, as my the children who are born today, they didn't choose to be born in 2023. They didn't choose to be born in this age of epic confusion. He says they're a victim of circumstance. But you kept the kids in Babylon. They made it back. I pray, Lord, you'd keep each one of our kids, each one of our families, O oh Lord. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <coughs>
I just want to think like you. Sing that again now if you don't mind. I give my mind completely to you, Lord. Fill me with your thoughts. Make it all brand new and change my life. Let me live in all that's true. I just want to be like you so take me and hold me and take me be still and lead me and guide me enjoyed the word today. I'll tell you what, we've heard some good things today. Told you it wasn't a youth meeting. All you fathers that are here and parents that are here, a lot of good things there, folks. A lot of good things. I remember years ago, this is years ago, I was down at uh, Spoken Word Publications down in Jeffersonville there, and uh, Brother Joseph Branham and I were talking, and we were just uh, kind of going back and forth about things, and some reason or another, we got in a conversation, we got talking about uh, life at home, you know, with Brother Branham when they were growing up, and he's my age, so, uh, you know, we were just chatting back and forth, and he said that uh, one day, he said, Rebecca was just passing by Brother Branham, and uh, Brother Branham said, did you finish that school report that you had? And she said, well, I'm working on it, and he said, what's the subject? And uh, she said, well, the, the, the teacher said, you have to answer this question, is there life on other planets? And Brother Bram just stopped, and he looked at her. He said, that's a great question. And he just took that subject and turned it into a study in the family. And Brother Joseph told me, he said, you know, we, we discussed that for days. Days went, went on. And uh, he was talking about how, you know, if you think that God just made this little ball and put people on it right here, he said, God is bigger than that. Now, I don't have any quotes for this. This was just their discussion at home. But he, the, the, listening to rap, you know, and talking about it, sometimes we think it's got to be a routine. It's got to be page one, page two, page three. Tonight we're on page 487. Sometimes you've got to seize the moment. You've got to just take advantage of things that are happening and going on in your house. And uh, you've got to respond to things. You can take things home from this meeting and bring them to your kids and say, do you believe that your food rearranged? I, that's where I stopped. I couldn't get past that statement. I mean, I must be a church dinner rearranged or something. 
I, that, that's just absolutely amazing that uh, that someone would actually think that. You know, I mean, is a foodie more, better rearranged than somebody who's not a foodie? Uh, there's a lot of questions that come up as a result of that. But, you know, uh, it, this is, to me, this is not rocket science. This is not, uh, you know, stuff just for profits. This is, to me, this is us taking the gospel home. This is us, come on, this is us taking the word home. And instructing our kids and give them, giving them a passion for the things of God. And, and the, let me tell you, the way you'll ignite your kids' fire is that you get ignited yourself. That you get immersed. That you get your wick down in the Word of God. And you begin to spend time on that. And I'll tell you what, you'll illuminate your kids for sure. Hey, and if you need help with devotions, me and Isaac can come along and do Goli- David and Goliath, right? Hey, we're for hire. We'll go and, and visit your house and do David and Goliath. Yes, sir. Let me tell you, uh, you're, you're only limited by your imagination. And, you know, uh, God gave those children for you. And as I mentioned last Sunday night, you only got them for a season. They're not, they're not yours forever because one day the door will be unlocked and they'll be gone. And so we want to influence them for the kingdom as much and as soon as we can. You remember years ago, I heard, I heard one of the boys talking about this recently. I, I did, we did a devotion at home where I had a stick and uh, we took the stick and broke it. You know, one single stick. And then what happened after that in that devotion? What happened? Put several sticks together. It's a bundle that can't be quickly broken. Yeah, so we're you guys are trying to break all the sticks together. Yeah. 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 And they were all, <laughs> yeah, handing them to me. Right? Yep. What was the point? A uh, threefold cord cannot easily be broken. There you go. That happened 50 years ago. <laughs> they don't... You, they don't forget those things. I mean, that, that's, just, that's just the way it operates. You know what? And you don't need to be boiled slowly to death in Babylon. We have the best Babylon that history could throw at anybody. You know that? It's full of all kinds of flavors and styles and good things and treats and everything else. It's filled with all kinds of comforts, our Babylon that we live in. You don't need to be boiled slowly to death in this Babylon. I believe God sent a message in this last day. I believe that God sent a great light in this darkness and said, you are not of that group. You're one of the 42,360 that came back uh, to Jerusalem and rebuilt again. I want. You, I wonder this morning, are you willing to say, I'm one of them that would have went back. I'm one of them that would have uh, uh, responded to the call of King Cyrus. I'm one of them that would have said, hey, when are you leaving? Let me pack my bags. This is the promise. That's our destiny. This is not home. That's our home. Hey, this world is only, hey, it's only, pass, we're only passing through. This world is not my home. Absolutely. Absolutely, saints of God. you got to have that determination before your kids will ever have that determination. And you got to have that zeal and that passion before you'll ever spread it to anybody else. And this is just not psychology or uh, mind games here. That's what God told them in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In your house, in thine house, put it on your gates, put it on your doorposts, put it on your bedstand, put it wherever you live, wherever you eat, wherever you communicate, wherever you homeschool, wherever you do, whatever you do, put the Word of God there and make sure it's first. And if you put it first, it'll become first in your kid's heart. Absolutely. Be thou... My vision, O Lord of my heart, God be all. Say that Thou art by day or by night. 
Sing it now from your heart. tell you what I, I I know this one thing for sure that uh, you know the success in any family and the blessing in any family uh, is not really because of something I came up with or uh, my wife did you know in in the in the, in the household there hey it's the grace of God that moves you it's the grace of God that chose you it's the grace of God that places you in a in a certain place here it becomes the major influence in your life and I, I'll tell you what, all around, you look, think about it, all around you, the whole world is sitting like a frog in a vat of water, just being boiled and moving, being cooked towards tribulation. Because that's where this is all winding up, isn't it? All working towards tribulation. Don't even know it. Blind and can't see it. But you know, by God's grace, he has chosen you as a family and said, you're not like that. You're, you're, not, you're not going there. That's not your destination. I've got a better plan for you. God, by his mercy, does that. He doesn't do that because you're uh, wealthier and you got a better budget or you got uh, all your, your uh, ducks in a row in the household. Most of us don't. But let me tell you something. It's just by his grace. Just by his grace. That's all it is, saints of God. Let's sing. Every praise to our God, every word of worship, one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah. Every praise, every praise. 
to our God. Glory, hallelujah. Every praise, every praise is to our God.
church today. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. God is good to us, isn't he? Hey, he's really spoken to my heart. I don't know about you, but he's spoken to my heart today. That's something in there for everybody. That's for sure. We're going to sing that little chorus, Majesty, but before we do that, I know somebody's got a real blessing out of this service today, and I'm going to ask him to pray, if that's all right. Brother Tim Ashong down here, and I'm going to save him to walk up to the front of the church. Brother Tim, I'd like you to close in prayer today and ask God's blessing and for the service tonight. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. You promise to supply all our needs. And we thank you for this spiritual food in due season. We thank you for blessing our hearts. We thank you for reminding us. We thank you for correcting us. We thank you for divine instructions. Oh, Father, May these things fall in the hearts that have been prepared. Good soil to bring forth fruits of righteousness. Heavenly Father, we have been taught whatever we have to do, we have to do it quick in this hour. Because it's late. The hour is late. So thank you for reminding us. And may each and every one of us from the pulpit to the pew make haste and get out before it is too late. 
We want to be, Lord, those among those who respond to go back to the old path, to the path of righteousness. Thank you for your servant that you've made use of. Lord, yesterday and today, this morning, may you replenish the virtue that have gone out of him. And we commit the services tonight into your hands. May you come in a special way and take us to higher grounds. We commit this break into your hands. Minister unto each and every one of us as we meditate upon your word. Thank you for blessing our souls. Thank you. In the name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, we pray with faith and thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, Brother Tim. We're going to let you go with this song this morning. And if you want to use the Fellowship Hall for lunch, you're certainly welcome to do that. But be mindful, we're going to have a little snack tonight after the service. And uh, service begins at 4 o'clock. Come a little early and pray. Pray for Brother Chris. And uh, we uh, just trust that God's going to cap it off and just give us a real blessing tonight. Amen. God bless you as you go this morning. Majesty. We worship His majesty. God bless you as you go this morning. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Oh, majesty, King of Oh uh-huh.